Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. I've given it, and it was printed in the bulletin, is to Egypt and back. I think there's some things in this particular episode in the life of Christ that we ought to see. I don't think I have ever preached on this particular passage. As a matter of fact, I know I haven't. And I don't recall that I have ever heard any, any sermon from this particular section. Uh, if I have, I've forgotten it. Beginning at verse 13, which is uh, right on after the section that we read this morning about the wise men who came to Jerusalem seeking the Christ child and when they had found him in Bethlehem uh, the Lord told them to not go back to Herod but to go some other way back home and that's exactly what they did and it's at that point that we pick up the scripture at verse 13 and when they were departed referring to the wise men when they were departed behold the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and all the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy, the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they were not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. He came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Let us unite our hearts and minds in prayer. Lord, we thank thee for such a wonderful day that you have provided us as we have shared this morning in the communion of our souls together and the witnessing of a baptism and the studying of your word. We left the service with enlightened hearts and joy in the depths of our soul for the meaning of this day. We've shared the day with friends and loved ones. 
And we've come back this evening, our Father, though few in number, but we come to celebrate the conclusion of this day and honor you in it. We thank you for the love that we have felt in this church over the past years, for the fellowship that we know that we all have with you. Bind us even closer together, our Father, as we lift each other up and share in, in the burdens that we have in the times of need as well as in the good times. Cause our hearts to be like your heart and mold us into your very will, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, this first Christmas began as uh, a lot of Christmases do with great anticipations and excitement, joy, the love that was a part of the Christmas scene is quite evident as experienced by Mary and Joseph and I believe felt by the baby. Shepherds came down off the hillside, common ordinary men, and worshipped the child. Wise men came from many, many hundreds of miles and did the same thing a few days later. We're not told about the townspeople and what they did, but all of it would lead us to believe that there was a tremendous joy and blessing surrounding the first Christmas. But it didn't stay that way. Almost immediately, there is a warning that God gave to Joseph that he's going to have to take the baby and go to Egypt to escape the wrath of Herod, of whom we outlined a little bit this morning. I think that's probably the story of lots of families in the United States today. We'll hear about it on tonight's news and tomorrow's newspaper. The families that began with a tremendous joy and anticipation of a fine Christmas will have turned into tragedy. Somebody will have shot someone today around the Christmas tree. There will be people who will have died today in fires that were started because of the Christmas tree with the lights on it or a stove that exploded or something of that nature. There will be people who have been killed on the highways today going to or from a Christmas celebration. And what started out to be a tremendous joy will end up in, in such a despair as we have witnessed in the, the, the airplane crash recently. As we know, uh, must be going through the lives of those uh, that suffered through the earthquake. The joys of Christmas have turned into tragedies or near tragedies. And it's really a shame that, that such a blessed event as the birth of the Christ child would end up being a tragedy. But it was so in Bethlehem as well as in many of our communities and I don't know, maybe in some member of our own family here before this 
day is over, we'll hear of some tragedy. We don't, we don't know that at this time. But God said to Joseph, you're going to have to take Mary and the baby and you're going to have to go to Egypt and stay there until it's safe to come home. It was 75 miles from Bethlehem to the borders of Egypt. It was another 100 miles over to the town of Alexandria. So they were going to travel by foot 175 miles. The reason I suggest that they went to Alexandria is that that city had become an asylum for Jewish people who were fleeing from, from some uh, terror created by Herod or others of the Roman rulers. In AD 70, or AD 40 I should say, 40 years after the birth of Christ, right shortly after his crucifixion, 33, seven years later, we know that there were a million Jews in Alexandria to become a, a place to flee to when you were trying to get away from some turmoil. And so the speculation is by historians that Joseph took Jesus and went to the town of Alexandria in Egypt and there stayed for quite some time until the death of Herod had been announced. We mentioned just briefly this morning that the offerings or the gifts that the wise men brought played an important part. They, they indicated the, the person of Christ and his deity and royalty and his humanity. But it was more than that. There was a need that God could foresee in the lives of this very poor family who didn't have money to make a trip to Alexandria. Most of us would have difficulty gathering enough money to make a trip to Washington, D.C. or to New York City on the spur of a moment. Uh, and we know that we would have to have money for, for food and for housing. And it was no different than in that day. And they had none except what had been brought in the wisdom of God from people from some distant land who had come not for the purpose of financing a trip to Egypt, but God took the gifts that they had used, and presumably they were used to finance this, this necessary trip. The thing that we can notice very quickly is that Joseph was very obedient to the command of the Lord that appeared to him in a dream and told him to take the child and his mother and go to Egypt. He was obedient to the point that he got up in the middle of the night before daybreak and he took the child and his mother and started toward Egypt we don't have any record of that period of time in Egypt but we know that they were there and stayed until Herod was dead as we'll see in a moment there is one Old Testament prophecy concerning the fact that they would be in Egypt which was fulfilled in this particular chapter and I mentioned to you there were four this is the second one and that is that and we find it back in Hosea chapter 11, the first verse, which says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And so God knew that Joseph would take the Christ child into Egypt, and from Egypt he would uh, call his son. And that's exactly the quote there in verse 15. Now, it suddenly dawns upon Herod 
that the wise men had not complied with his requirement. He had said to them, I want you to go find the child and come back and tell me so that I can go worship him too. Well, the wise men were informed by God in a dream that they ought not go back to Herod. And so they left Bethlehem and went another route and did not go back through Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, Herod discovered that the wise men were not coming back, that he had indeed been mocked, as verse 16 says. He had been, so to speak, made fun of. Uh, and therefore, he was not going to find the exact child from the wise men. He intended, of course, to send his soldiers there and kill the one child. And so he became very angry. The word is wrath in the King James, which means angry. There is always consequences of becoming angry, and they're almost always bad. I think we would find it difficult to discover uh, what we did and what we said during a time of anger to be good. It's going to be bad. The same thing was true with Herod. He was so angry and his character being what it was that he sent soldiers to the little town of Bethlehem and Herod calculated how old the child must be based upon when the star appeared according to the wise men and he determined that if he killed every boy under the age of two he would get the Christ child. Look at the tragedy that Bethlehem suffered on Christmas. Well, it wasn't Christmas Day. It wasn't the day of the birth. It was sometime later that uh, the wise men came to the manger. And I think we understand that. The wise men did not come to the manger scene. The shepherds did, but the wise men came to a house where Mary and the young child were, according to this particular passage of Scripture. And so... He sends his soldiers and they go into every house and they kill every boy that is under two years of age in that town. Supposing that that happened in Danville or even here on Turtle Creek, you talk about tragedy, we would certainly have it and it would be on the front pages of the newspaper and there would be reporters here from everywhere to record the story. A tremendous tragedy which is the third prophecy of uh, this chapter that came true, and that there would be the uh, attempted death of Christ, or uh, attempt on his life, and the death of the children in Bethlehem. And so it did happen. It was fulfilled by the, from the prophet Jeremiah, which in verse 17, the word Jeremy is simply a slang word to mean Jeremiah. Probably verse 18 has been confusing. Where is Ramah and what does Ramah mean when it says in Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they were not. Well, of course it means that, that uh, the, a mother... The word Rachel referring to the women of the town were weeping for their children and they would not be comforted because they were now dead. 
But what is the word rhema? Well, if you will recall back in the Old Testament, when the Hebrew people were taken captive and headed toward Babylon, many of them were not able to make that long trek. At a place called Ramah, the Babylonians executed all of the Hebrew children who were not able to make the trip. There was a mass slaughter such as we experienced in the Second World War with Hitler's slaughter of the Jews. There had been a mass slaughter prior to that at Ramah. And all those who were too young, all those who were too old or of no value were slaughtered. Only those that were taken were those with, with some abilities to benefit the Babylonian Empire. And so the Hebrew women wept and lamented for the loss of their children at Ramah during the Babylonian captivity. And the reference is that again we have a Ramah. It may very well have been an old name for Bethlehem, but there is nothing that we can verify that. When the women of Bethlehem, and of course they're the fathers of these children as well, lamented and wept for their children that had been destroyed because of the Holocaust uh, that took place at the hands of uh, Herod. We remember the Jewish Holocaust in Germany. But I think we're forgetting a Holocaust that's taking place in our own country. And I believe we're going to have to become more vocal, and that is nothing more in the mass abortions that are taking place all across the United States. And we as Baptists, contrary to some people who do not think that we believe this, we as Baptists and American Baptists abhor and, and detest the abortion of young children, or un, un, unborn babies, and that's exactly what they are, is young children in the United States. I listened recently to a, an interview with a woman who was a nurse and who ran abortion clinics in the United States until she was converted. She gave her own testimony, her own personal story of the tremendous uh, slaughter. And it was for one purpose only, and that was to get any girl in there that they could uh, perform an abortion for the purpose of gaining the fee. No regard to whether there was a need or no need, uh, the health or anything else was not taken into consideration. She said they literally took the fetuses and put them in the garbage grinders in their sink to dispose of them. Unless they got one that was too big and then they put it in the dumpster outside the building that would be hauled away to the landfill. No regard for, for life. And finally, the Lord Jesus got a hold of her and converted her, and she is now working for uh, the pro-life movement and is opposing abortions. I suppose there are some medical reasons at times why there needs to be an abortion, but I think it is very, very slim and far between. And I cannot help but believe that my own daughter Lynn made the right decision when she was faced with that question when we found out that she had cancer 
and she also had just found out that she was pregnant with her last son. The doctor said that you can abort the baby and we can treat you for the cancer and probably cure you. Or you can keep the baby and we'll do the mastectomy and hope that we get it all. Nobody had to tell me what her decision was going to be. But she dealt with the issue and she and her husband talked about it. And he fully supported her in whatever the decision might be. But when the decision was made, it was exactly what I knew she would make. She said, I'll keep the baby and I'll take my chances. And that's what she did. And that's why we have the cancer problem today. I still support her in that issue. The life of that baby could not be voided to give her a better chance. As far as I'm concerned. And as far as she is concerned. And I think it's right. And if she dies from her cancer, I'll believe that she did the right thing and would never think of going any other direction. And I believe that we as a church and as Christian people must recognize that there is no right for slaughter. When life has begun, it must be honored because it's God who gives life. And this was true. Uh, here in Bethlehem, God had given life and man was taking life needlessly. These young children up to the age of two did not have to die because of Herod, but they did. It was Satan himself that had entered into strongly into the life of Herod. Herod had to be demon-possessed. Because here was uh, another point in time when Satan could attempt to stop the very thing that God had determined that would be, and that is the salvation of all peoples of the world. If he could destroy the Christ child, there would be no salvation available to us. Because God had only one son. If that one son did not perform what he had been sent into this world to perform, there would have been no salvation for us. Satan worked strongly through the life of Herod to bring about the destruction of the Christ child and did not succeed because he had already left the town and had gone into uh, Egypt. Verse 19, we'll shorten it up here a little bit. Herod died. We don't know how long after Jesus had left Bethlehem, but at least as a young child, Herod died, and the Lord again in a dream told Joseph uh, to take the child and go on back to Israel. There are four times that God speaks to Joseph in a dream. The first time, he told Joseph not to have any fear about taking Mary as his wife when they found out that she was pregnant. The second time, he told him to flee into Egypt in order to escape the wrath of Herod. Here now is the third time he tells him to return to Israel. But there is a fourth time. When they get back into Israel, they discover that the son of Herod, Archelaus, had become the governor of Israel and would remember the Christ child and probably would have attempted to comply with his 
father's desire to destroy the Christ child, and so a door was closed in the life of Christ and Joseph and Mary in that they could not return to Bethlehem where they wanted to live, but had to do something else. There are times that doors do close in our lives, and we have to do something entirely different, and we're very disappointed at times, but if we would realize that if the Lord closes a door, he's got a reason for it being closed. He doesn't want us going through that door. Paul's door was closed into Asia because uh, the Lord wanted Paul to go over into uh, the, uh, the Roman, Rome area, into Italy, in that direction, not back into to Asia. There are times that we think that we know what's right and we want to go a certain direction only to discover that we're stopped. You've been stopped and I've been stopped in doing what we want to do. If we are intelligent spiritually, we'll recognize that God probably is directing the affairs in our life and then we better not try to batter those doors down. He has stopped us from doing what we want, told us to go another direction, and here Joseph being very close to the Lord and listening to him well understood and said all right we will not go to Bethlehem we'll go somewhere else and he selected he thought Joseph thought he was selecting the place to go it was God doing the selection he went to a town called Nazareth now Nazareth is an interesting town it had a bad reputation it was immoral uncouth rough rugged Nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. When uh, Jesus was beginning his ministry and some of the, uh, uh, those who were to become his uh, apostles were being called or, or at least being introduced to the Lord, there were, there were some of them. I'm going over to, the, to John chapter 1 at verse 43. Uh, which says in the day following Jesus would go forth into Galilee and, and he find, and findeth Philip which said unto him follow me and Philip uh, now Philip was of Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter and Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph now Nathanael said unto him that is Nathanael said to Philip can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Why did Nathanael say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Because of the reputation of that town. It was not a place to have a Christ child come from. It would be like saying, uh, can any good thing come out of Turtle Creek if we were talking about Christ being born here? I mean, you know, a small little town like this didn't seem to be the logical place for, for somebody of this importance to come. If, uh, if we would ever have a president of the United States born in Turtle Creek, there'd be a lot of eyeballs raised around the country. Can uh, a president be born in Turtle Creek or in my little town where I was born in Auburn? I mean, that's unheard of that anybody of any importance would come from some insignificant town, particularly a town that was of such bad reputation and very uncouth and very rough. But uh, this indeed happened. That out of Nazareth, a very unlikely place, comes the Messiah. He was called a Nazarene. 
throughout his life. And there is a church by the name of the Nazarene church who, who take it from this very fact that Jesus was a Nazarene. That is, he was from Nazareth. I tell you, there are lots of things that come from very unexpected places, little towns, little communities. They're not all from the great cities and they're not all from wealthy families. Some of them have the very common uh, beginnings. I can think of Abraham Lincoln as one who, who had uh, every reason in the world never to be thought of as being a president of the United States but became one and there are others as well. And from our own little church and our own little community, we certainly ought to expect that there will be people who will have an impact upon the world. And it's our responsibility to nurture and, and guide them that they might go out and, and do what ought to be done. We don't know what is in store for Marianne that we uh, baptized this morning and for the other kids that we have seen be baptized over the past months or adults as well. But I believe earnestly that God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us regardless of where we come from. And it's how well we fit into that plan and purpose that, that will make the difference. Jesus was perfectly willing to fit into the plan. He was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in the unreasonable place called Nazareth. And out of there he came to preach the gospel to uh, make himself a sacrifice for the sins of all people. And we benefit from that today. So he went to Egypt, but he came back from Egypt to save his people from their sins. And we're testimonies of that. We're only saved tonight because the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem, went to Egypt, came back to Nazareth, and came out of Nazareth as the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.